morning. If you're a student, you're dismissed. Welcome to Christ Community Church. Hello. Good morning. I'm happy you're back. It's nice to be back. Hooray. Hello. We, uh, we have been serving in churches together for 40 years, if you can believe that. And we yes. have never... <laughs> I can't. <laughs> well, I can't. Uh, uh, and we have never done taught like this until COVID. COVID. And, um, well, we, 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 I do too. Thank you. I do too. And so, anyway... <coughs> Uh, guys, thank y'all. It is fun. It's fun to plan it together. <coughs> it's fun to do it together. I'm glad people seem to like it. It's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to pray real quick. Lord, we thank you for the sunshine, for a new day. We thank you that this is uh, a time that you ordained before time began so that we could gather together as a family and be in the presence of people that have been not only created in your image, but touched by your spirit and your grace. And uh, we don't take that lightly. We want the Jesus that lives in them. I want the Jesus that lives in them to minister to the Jesus that lives in me. I uh, pray that you would speak through Shirley and myself that you'd give us clarity and anointing. I pray that our words would be true and understandable and applicable and would go deep down in our hearts and take root and produce a harvest of life and wisdom and uh, help. Please let it be so, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Real quickly, before I forget it, so that Kim doesn't frown at me at lunch, um... Not today and not next Sunday, but two weeks from today. I think that's right. Is that right? On May the 15th, we're going to not meet here. If you come here on Sunday morning, May the 15th, uh, you'll be the only one here. Don't get nervous. You didn't miss the rapture. You you, you might, but it wasn't because of that. Um, We're going to be at Kim and Jerry's house on Sunday morning, uh, May the 15th, and we'll have our service the worship team will be there, and uh, it'll be a good day. Uh, we'll have lunch afterwards, and so we're excited about that. One of the reasons that we're gathering there is that uh, uh, there's some folks that want to be baptized. And so we're going to have a baptismal service uh, that day, and if uh, I would love for each of you to really just over the next week or two to ask the Lord what, if you've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism, um, I'm sure there are reasons why people haven't or don't. Um, but I, for the life of me, when I look back over my relationship and journey with the Lord, uh, I did not grow up in a, in, a, in, a, in a spiritual heritage where people were baptized by immersion. Uh, that was not my background, and I can remember when I'd gotten saved, and I told, went home and told my dad that I was going to be baptized. He said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to be baptized, because that's what the Lord Jesus did, and I'm going to do it like he did it. 
And he thought that was the craziest thing in the world for a while. And then one day, he got baptized too. And uh, anyway, if you've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism, and you'd like to, uh, notice I didn't say if you don't follow the Lord in believer's baptism, you're not going to go to heaven, or God doesn't like you, or you're not going to win the lottery. I didn't say any of those things, okay? What I'm saying is, it's just an opportunity to do something that Jesus did. Golly, sucker Bill. And it's something to, that we do to declare to our community we know Him and we love Him and we want to follow Him. And so if you've never followed the Lord in Believer's Baptism and you would like to or you'd like to talk to me about it or you have a child that you, you would like for me to talk to uh, between now and then, um, text me or call me or stop me and I would love to talk with you or your children or whoever about what baptism means and why we do it. And uh, if, you would, if you have never done that, then, man, I would encourage you to do it. I, that's a, that was a special, that was a special deal for me. Um, you were there. I was. <laughs> yeah, so, anyway. Uh, okay, I think that's it. If you have been a part of our spiritual community for a well, since COVID began, you have heard my wife on a number of occasions uh, remind us of what some of her spiritual heroes have taught her and that is that it is a mistake for us to rush through life at such a pace that we miss the beauty around us. Is that fair? Is that? That is fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have convinced me of that. I did not value that most of my adult life. I didn't even. I never even heard of such a thing. And I found great significance in the fact that I thought if you, the busier you were and the faster you went and the more productive you were that's where you created your worth and uh well in all fairness that is a cultural yeah. norm yeah well i bought into that i i was taught that i was reared with that i believed that and over the last few years shirley's been reading some some spiritual mentors of hers like annie dillard and uh and that's what's her name uh, and voskamp yeah and yeah Lott. whatever yeah and all those yeah and all those ladies and She's really impacted me with, what, with their wisdom. And that is that if we um, will choose to live an unhurried life, we're going to have the benefit of recognizing the beauty all around us that God designed and placed all around us as expressions of his love and his wisdom and his grace and his healing. and, and um, We live here. We might as well take a look at it. Yeah. <laughs> See where yeah. it is that we've been placed. Yeah, so one of the goals of um, an unheard, unhurried life is that we don't miss the beauty. And the surprises that are occurring all around us. Well, today I want to add to that, and that is that another benefit 
of living, choosing to live an unhurried life is that you do miss things. You, by choosing to live an unhurried life, you, you don't miss things, the beauty and the surprises that God places all around us, but we do miss things by living an unhurried, an unhurried life. And some of the things that we miss are the, the pains and the mistakes of bad choices. Let me say that one more time. One of the benefits of living an unhurried life is that we do miss many of life's pains and mistakes and losses by the very fact that we went more slowly. I'm 62. And that surprised I'm I'm sure you. I know I am, and I probably look older than that, but that's okay. I'm, I don't mind. I get to sit by a good looking girl, so not with me. Uh, and in 62 years, I've learned two things about decisions. One of them is, is that decisions are important, they matter. Your life is defined by the decisions that you have made through life. The other thing I've learned about decisions is that decisions that are made hurriedly are bad. They don't normally end well. Decisions and haste don't go together. And uh, you and I were talking about just the, number one that, that decisions matter. Yeah. Oh, it won't matter. Just choose anything you want, Karun. Just whatever you decide. It'll, it'll, it doesn't matter. It'll work out either way. That is... Well, that, that part's true. It will work out either <laughs> yeah, way. Yes, that's okay. I stand corrected. Yes, but it'll the, work the, out. It that's does true. matter. Yeah, it matters Which way greatly. it works out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you want to... Yeah, C.S. Lewis has this really um, important uh, line. Listen to this. It's pretty... I mean, it's, it's for the, it's for the, it is not for the faint of heart. Yeah, it's not for the faint of heart. That's true. He says, every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, that part that chooses, that Edenic part of us that was given in the garden, that part that chooses. You're turning it into something a little different than it was before. And taking your life as a whole with all of your innumerable decisions, you are slowly turning into a heavenly creature or a hellish one, by simply making the decisions that you make. Mm. That each decision turns us, matters, turns us more into one sort of person or more into another sort of person. And he uses some pretty, pretty evocative language there, uh, heavenly or hellish. Yes. Our decisions matter. And we don't have to convince anybody. And the speed of yeah, them matters. Yeah. And that's the, other, that's the part that I wanted us to focus on today, is that not only do our decisions matter, and the, the testimony of God's Word from Adam and Eve in the garden all the way to the last uh, multitude of people in the book of Revelation 
who say, God, no. Adam and Eve said, God, no. And the very last group of people that will one day exist right before Jesus returns. And they say, no. They made a decision to say no to God. And it defined their lives. And the tragedy is that when we say no to God, when we decide like that, it also defines a lot of other people's lives as well. But the part that I want us to think about today is just this idea that decisions that we make hurriedly in a rush, they don't, they don't tend to end well. They don't tend to, 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 to turn out the way we had hoped. Decisions that we make in pride and in pain, and in selfishness, and in fear, and in unbelief. Um, Whether these are decisions related to your finances. I talk to people every day. And they're not happy with their lives. They're not happy with their relationships. They're not happy with their internal wiring. Uh, They're not happy with... They're not happy... And one of the consistent things that I see in these people's lives is that they tend to be unhappy about the things that they have decided in haste, hurriedly. Um, uh, They made decisions about these things, whatever they might be. Jobs, family decisions, their kids' education, relationships that they're in with other people, their church, whatever it might be, they make these decisions based upon desires. And we'll talk about this in a minute a little bit more, but they, they, they see something, and that's the key. They see something that they like or don't like, and they react. And they make decisions rashly. And so often when they do, they don't go well. Or they're in a situation where they have other people pressuring them to make decisions. You need to make a decision. You need to make a decision. You need to make a decision about whatever it might be. And you feel bullied or pushed or pressured uh, to make a decision that you weren't ready to make or a decision that down deep you knew was not the right decision. But you did it anyway because of that pressure. My wife and I have been married 40 years. And I look back over our... 41? Is it, well, is it 41? It will be, yes. Oh, yeah, well, we ain't all there right, yet. All right, yeah, all right, Yeah, come on, it's not, it's not June 6th. Um, <laughs> hey. Uh, <laughs> Might seem like it's longer, but um, but I look back over our marriage together, and one of my deepest regrets is that I often, not like I used to, because I've worked on it, but especially in the first decade, two decades of our marriage. Um, I I pressured you to make decisions much more abruptly and quickly and rashly 
than you were ready to do or that I should have been. And I regret that. I regret that I, I came from a family. We, you know, we're not, a, we, we would make decisions and we, you just make them work and you live them out and you stick with your decisions and tough it out and all that. And so I came from a family that made quick decisions. And I brought that into our marriage and I saw it as a, almost an annoyance. No, not almost. I mean, I saw it as an annoyance or a lack of faith or lack of support. Uh, when It wasn't that. It wasn't a lack of faith. It wasn't a lack of support. It wasn't any of those things. It was, she came from a family, a very, very wise family that taught her for 20 years Go slow. When you need to make decisions, go slow. Pray about it. Really pray about it. Instead of asking God to bless your decision, seek God on what the decision should be. Do research. Real research. Not just go find a few people that you know are going to say, they're gonna, that think like you do. Get wise counsel. Go to people that don't have a dog in the hunt and that will talk to you and give you different perspectives and ideas. And then listen to that. And then listen to that. Thank you. And then, uh, you've, you have heard me teaching on this for six months or so now. It, it, it's so crazy important and it was there. I just didn't see it. This idea that God created Adam and Eve to be a team. Rather than, you need to follow me and you need to uh, submit to me and you need to obey me and you need all that Careful. stuff. For me to approach her as an equal image bearer of God, an equal child of God, and an equal temple where God inhabits and for us to talk and wrestle and disagree and compromise and come to a place of, bless you, of unity before we make a decision. Well, what, what if you can't come to a place of unity? Then wait. Or scrap that whole idea and move on to something else until you can have some unity. To fear not getting your way more than you fear moving forward without unity. You're not a smart person. I'll say it that way. There's other words I'd like to call you, but I'll just say you're not a smart person. I've never in 62 years, and you hadn't either. Who is the person in this room that would stand up and say, well, I have. Who have you ever heard say, I regret that I waited to make an important decision because I prayed too long. I worked too hard at creating unity. I, I did too much research. I went and got too much wise counsel. I regret doing those things. Before uh, I, I wish I'd have just roared in guns of flying, bullets of flying, uh, and made these. I, I wish that I did that. Raise your hand. No, nobody, nobody thinks that 
And yet, how often do we, we come to situations where we, we see we see something, a problem, a need, an opportunity, a, a, a desire. We see it, and we want it, and we take it. We make it. We, we force it. Yeah. And then we regret the ramifications. Um, the Bible is full of examples. In fact, you hear me say this all the time, you could arguably say with relative confidence that the Bible is the story of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who forgot that rash, quickly made decisions don't end well. They didn't know it, or they forgot it, or they ignored it, something. But it, the Bible is nothing more than the story of Adam and Eve. The wording in Genesis 3 where they saw that fruit. They saw that it was pretty and it would be delicious. And You don't see them saying, mm, you know, it, it does look like it'd be good for food. It looks like it, it, it's pretty, it looks like it would taste good, we're hungry. Um, we've heard this voice. Uh, let's go talk to God about this. No. It, it's not said, but it is implied. They saw it, they wanted it, and they took it. And they took it. And the ramifications and the, the, the results we're still living with. Abraham and Sarah, they were trying and trying and trying and trying. Some of you understand this. You wrestled with infertility for years. And your heart was broken. You're terrified that it's, you're not going to get a baby. You begged. You, you, you. Abraham and Sarah, they tried and tried and tried and tried. And one day they saw Hagar. And Sarah took Hagar and gave her to Abraham. We're still suffering the consequences in the Middle East to this day. They saw and they took. Esau walked in the house hungry. He saw that soup of his brother's. He wanted it and he gave away his birthright. He saw it. He took that soup and in the process gave away his birthright. Jacob, a few years later, saw that his dad was going to give the blessing to his brother and his mama wasn't helping at all. But uh, uh, Jacob saw what was happening. He would not stand for it. If he didn't step in and intervene, it was not going to go the way he wanted it to. So he roared in. He rushed in. Deceived his dad. Took the blessing. And the examples go on and on and on. Moses saw that guard beating that Israelite. He took some kind of a weapon and killed 
that guard. He, uh, Moses saw the people complaining and whining and nagging and all that. And he got so upset. He saw what they were doing and he took his staff and he struck that stone two times. Rash! rash. There's, no, there's no time for prayer, there's no, you don't see any examples here. You don't see people praying and wrestling. You don't see people talking, to going and getting wise counsel, talking to God about this. You don't see people doing research. You don't see people getting wise counsel. You don't see people getting whatever their, their, their uh, partner team is of wise people. If they're married, that you ought to start with your mate. But you can have a team of wise people that... Bigger than just your mate. And you don't see him going and saying, hey, can we talk about this? No, you don't see You just see people seeing something they want or they don't want. And they, they see it and they take it fear, rashly. Fear and emotion are such strong feelings. And we know that. Um, and sense of justice or all of those things are such strong feelings. And there's such human feelings that when they come, the unpracticed person just mm. can hardly help it. Mm. You know, Samson, mm. he wanted that Philistine girl, and so he just took her. A perfect example. He lived his life seeing, taking, rashly. Didn't go good. No, it doesn't go well. And, and mm. anyway, I, I hadn't pra- planned on saying that, but I liked what I just said, that pr- the practiced person. Dang. We'll say, now I'm feeling such anger, such fear, such emotion, whatever. But I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to lock myself in closet for a, for an hour and and get it together. Otherwise, I might kill you. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, I've been I'm the beneficiary of that many <laughs> times. Where if she had not been a person that moved slowly. With counsel and prayer, I might not be here today. You know, so that that uh, that that is a very real. Uh, that's a life deal right there. Yeah, you were talking about Judas as well. Yeah, so Judas from the New Testament's a great example of that. Disappointment. He thought things were going to go one way, and if and who knows exactly if these days of the church calendar were exactly how it went. But it's probably pretty close. On Tuesday of Holy Week, Judas saw Jesus, um, uh, excuse me, Mary anointing Jesus' feet with oil, and it just made him mad. It just made him mad. He, I mean, that, that was, seemed ridiculous to him. It made him mad. What he said was, we should give this to the poor. But he hadn't been giving anything to the poor. No. Yeah. And, um, and so he just, in his anger, he went out, and two days later, Got some money and sold out Jesus. He'd followed Jesus for three years and in two days threw the whole thing away. Just threw the whole thing away. Just, just possibly. That's right, not, right, that's right, not, right. We don't know that. But it seems reasonable. Out of anger and yeah. disappointment yeah. and just, just. How many people? I don't like what's going on at church. That preacher said something I don't like. That music, one Sunday was not what I like. I'm gone. You think he's You've been pouring your life into this place for years. I'm gone. David and Bathsheba, he saw her. 
He wanted her and he took her rashly. I could, the list goes on and on and on and on. Rash decisions made out of emotion and desire rather than prayer and research and counsel and unity of your team. These people forgot that their emotions and their desires are so flawed and untrustworthy, so broken, so skewed, so biased, so easily deceived. But I see myself this way. I want this. I'll never be happy without this. So I'm going to take it. It must be good since I want it. Because you and I want something, it must be good. Is that right? Especially hard for me, maybe for you. When it's not so much something we are experiencing, but something we want to experience. It's on the other side of the fence. That mate, that person, that job, that kid, that situation, and I'm not over there. And I want that. I'll never be happy till I get on that side of the fence. So I just jump the fence. And because God loves me, He'll, he'll either... Bless me because of it, or you'll forgive me and then bless me because of it. And there is truth. He's not going to give up on us. He's not going to abandon the ship. But oh, the consequences. Oh, what we, oh, the needless pain. How's the song go? We bear, we bear the yeah. needless pain we bear because we rushed. It's the battle of the eyes. I would say to you and for me, we have no battle in our life any stronger than our eyes. What we see that's not there that should be or is there that shouldn't be. And we see it and we want to make it different and so we just rush in rather than seeing and choosing to wait. Choosing to wait. The per I love what you said about that, the, the experienced person. How did you say practice that? Person. The practice person. The practice. The person that learns to practice. So you see things that you wish were different, better. Go away. Come. Whatever. But you see. We see. But do we see these things with eyes of faith or eyes of lust? Not just sexual lust, although that's included, but that I want it and I want it now. Do we see with those eyes of lust that means I'm going to take it now or with eyes of faith that moves slowly and that whether it's a seasoned person, a seasoned family, they learn to move slowly and with wisdom and they have a plan for doing things rather than just rushing. I just want to end today real quickly by just reminding you of God, God, number one, God is not a God that rushes. You will never see anything in the Bible that would suggest that God rushes. He well, does the not. The very nature that He created is slow. It's yes. slow to bloom. It's slow to 
die. It's slow to regenerate. It's just a slow process. And he seems to honor that and be pleased with it. And I think one of the reasons that he is pleased with a system that changes slowly, that goes slowly, where there's no rushing. There's no rushing. You know, there's no crying in baseball. In God's kingdom, there's no rushing. There's no rushing. God doesn't do that. You never see God doing that. And He doesn't want us to do it because He wants us to avoid the pain, the unnecessary pain, the unnecessary loss, the unnecessary difficulties that we brought on ourselves because we would not go slow. It's almost like we are so committed to living by trial and error. That's not, God, you know, that's not God's plan. It is a plan and it will work. But it's not a good plan. That's not the way God wants us. God delights in revealing to His children the way to go. What to miss, what to experience, what to focus on, what to ignore, what to make a big deal about, what to make a small. That makes God happy. Isaiah 48 says, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you and directs you in the way you should go. God delights in directing us in the way we should go. Uh, Isaiah 30, whether you turn to the right or you turn to the left, you will hear God's voice behind you telling you the way you should go. Now this is my translation of Proverbs 3, but I I think it's pretty fair, pretty accurate. Solomon says in Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord. Don't trust yourself. Yield to Him and He will show you the way you should go. We don't have... Why would a child of God, inhabited by a God who delights in revealing to us. He wants us to, he wants to share with us his wisdom and his I hear people saying God wants to share with you his power and his abundance and all these things. Yes. But he also wants to share with us light for the path ahead and wisdom and, and knowledge and insight so that we can walk paths that are straight and level. And enjoyable. And so just real quickly, I just want to remind us of three things that God has promised to us to help us when we see things and we're struggling to wait. First one is this. We've got to learn to trust in God's love. I think the biggest problem that I have in my life, and I would dare say the biggest problem you've got too, we do not, we're not convinced that God really loves us. Yes, He loves you and He loves me, sort of like, you know, your grandparents have got to love you even when you're a jerk. But He delights in us, He's for us, He's with us, He's guiding us. And it's in, in, in the Bible, I've got a half a dozen verses here. I'll just share one or two. But the Bible associates my understanding that I am loved with my ability to trust God. It seems to say that P- 
people that really are convinced that they are loved by God, they're the ones that will trust God. And the people that say, I'm not trusting God. I'll do this myself. Could it be that you don't really, you're not convinced that God loves you? Psalm 143 says, Bring me word of your love, for I trust in you. And show me the way I should go. First, God, I need a fresh reminder that you love me. And when I'm convinced that I'm loved, I'll trust you. Jesus said it this way in John 5, The Father loves the Son, therefore He hides none of His plans. He shows Him everything. Did you hear that? Jesus is saying, Dad, I'm convinced that you love me. You really love me. And because of that, I'm also convinced you don't hide anything from me. You reveal all of your plans to me. Do I approach life situations and decisions with the confidence that God truly loves me? That was Adam and Eve's problem. They were, they were, not only were they not convinced, I think they were convinced that God was hiding something from them. With, withholding something from them. Keeping something from them. And that's when they, become, they became susceptible to the temptations of the enemy. They were not convinced. How, how could they not be convinced? I don't know that. How, how can you and I not be convinced of God's love? I don't know that either. But we struggle, don't we? We got to trust in God's love. We got to trust in God's timing. God's way of revealing His plans and His will and His direction for us will not come quickly. It will not, you cannot expedite God's decision as to how and when He will reveal His answers to you and me. He's, you cannot bully Him. You cannot rush Him. You, you cannot manipulate Him. He has promised that He delights in showing you what to do. But He's going to do it in His timing. He is, God is not rash. Why would someone be rash who will make this declaration in Isaiah 43? When I act, no one can reverse it. And in Psalm 46, he says, My purposes will always stand. God declares, God orchestrates, and God fulfills His plans. But He does it in His time. Nobody can thwart Him. But nobody can rush Him either. God said in Genesis 3.15, One day, one will come who through His woundedness He will defeat and destroy the enemy. But there was a long period of time between Genesis 3.15 and John. The Gospel of John. You, nobody's going to rush that expedite that, hurry that. And God displayed that over and over and over again. The flood. He told Noah, flood's coming. You better start building a boat. But it was a hundred years before it came. God told Abraham, one day your descendants will go to Egypt and live for a long time as slaves. And it happened. He also told him, I'm going to bring those people back 
He also told them, I'm going to take them to the promised land. He also told them that you're going to be taken into captivity. He also told them, I'm going to take you back home from captivity, and I'm going to build, your, your temple will be destroyed, and I'll rebuild it. Every one of those things were part of God's plan, and every one of those things happened, but they happened slowly, slowly. God has called us to be fruit. God has called us to be trees. God has called us to be temples. God has called us to be stones and pillars. Every one of those communicate very slow, methodical time and process. We have got to learn what Jeremiah said in Lamentations 3. The Lord is good to people who hope in Him. So seek Him and wait quietly for His salvation. Anything you'd add to that? This makes such sense to her because she was taught this growing up. Trust God. He's worthy of our trust. He will not let us down. He delights in revealing His ways to us. But He's going to do it slowly. Think of it as your own children or children in general. You know, as a good parent, you want the children to grow at the age and the speed they're supposed to grow and no faster. Mm. So you've got somebody who's six years old. They don't need to be acting like they're 16. They need to be acting like they're six. That's what six is. And then seven is another thing. And then eight is another thing. Mm. They'll be grown-ups soon enough. If God is a father and a good father, and you're the child, which we are, then that's a pretty good metaphor. Yes. read an article just the Don't other day. I just read an article in the New York Times just the other day that said that... Uh, you know, we live in a time where we've never lived in it. There's never been a, a recorded time in history where people quit their jobs more quickly than today. I'm out. The article said that there's never been a time where they are finding indicators that the people that are quitting their jobs regret it greatly. Not... I'm not happy with my job. I'm going to start doing research and interviewing and getting wise counsel and getting unity with my mate and then making a wise next choice. No, no, no. I'm out. Bye. Lastly, trust God's Word. I trust God's love. Trust God's timing. Trust God's Word. Now I added this one just because I wanted you to understand. I've studied this book, friends, for 42 years. I love it. I love it more than I do my wife and my grandson. It is the, it is the love of my life. I have studied it intensely. And I've never been more convinced that it's true. But I want you to hear me well. I believe every word is true. I believe every page is true. Every chapter, every story, every event. Do I understand it all? 
No. Do I know how it all works together? No. I don't even like some of it. But that means it's not true. It just means that I don't like it. But I believe it to be true. But the Bible was not written, in my opinion, to be some kind of a reference book that I'm supposed to run to to get proof text for doing what I want to do. The Bible was not written to be a reference book. The Bible is not written to be a history book or a relational manual or a life handbook. That's not the purpose of the Bible. Can we find wonderful things to help us with life and relationships and history and science? Yes! And where it speaks to things related to those topics, I believe it to be true. But that's not the purpose. The Bible was not written so that you and I could run to it. Now, I'm wanting to do this. If I can find me a verse... Then, then that's my green light. That is not fair or true in your handling of God's Word. I believe that the Bible was written for one purpose and one key purpose and one key purpose only. And that is so that I could get to know its author. Get to know Him and trust Him and love Him and want to walk with Him through life and listen to Him. And so, be careful. I want you to read the Bible every day and I want you to believe everything you read. But the purpose is to get to know its author. Um, the psalmist said in Psalm 119, People who love your law have great peace. And nothing causes them to stumble. David said in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. And He guides me along right paths for His namesake. Do you hear that relationship? Those sheep. That sheep. He knew that shepherd. He trusted that shepherd. He listened to that shepherd. He followed that shepherd. He didn't need a proof text. He didn't need a... He, he just he believed that if he walked with that shepherd, he would get to good places and experience good things. And he didn't. And sheep, at least smart sheep, don't rush. They go slow. They go slow. And if they will, if they'll follow the shepherd going slowly, they wind up in good places experiencing good things. And that makes the shepherd happy. And that makes our shepherd happy as well. Anything you want to add, friend? Nope. Okay. Thank you. Okay. We're going to take the Lord's Supper. This isn't Christ Community Church's Supper. <laughs> this is the Lord's Supper. And so, whether you've come once or a hundred times,
you're welcome to come. Come to the Lord's table of mercy and receive fresh grace from His nail-scarred hands. Eat from the bread of His salvation and drink from the blood of the Lamb. You come.